welcome to The Feathered Desert, a podcast all about desert bird feeding in the southwestern region of the United States. Okay, welcome to The Feathered Desert. Today, Cheryl is here with me, as always, and we are going to talk about biomimicry. So the title of this episode is Biomimicry, Humans Learning from Birds. Sometimes we take birds for granted. They're just a part of our daily lives that we don't focus on, but occasionally we notice their extraordinary characteristics. When the right person, such as an engineer, notices these amazing attributes, they're often inspired by the birds and they create or improve man-made devices. In this episode, Cheryl and I are talking about biomimicry and how birds influence us. Okay, and of course, we're going to start off with a definition of biomimicry. According to the Oxford Languages Dictionary, the definition of biomimicry is the design and production of materials, structures, and systems that are modeled on biological entities and processes. The word itself literally means imitation of the living. So basically, we learn from nature how to create things that work well. For example, those birds that get stuck on your socks in the summer influence the creator of Velcro. Shark skin led to hydrodynamic swimwear that Olympic athletes now use. And dragonflies influence the design of helicopters. Yeah, such cool thing. I thought so. I love dragonflies. Fascinating. Yeah. So when we listen to what nature can teach us, we can invent some pretty spectacular things. So let's look at a few creations that birds influenced. So Japan's bullet train is the first one. And it's a really interesting story. The bullet train can actually reach speeds of up to 300 miles per hour. It's a modern marvel of human engineering and has made travel in certain regions of Japan very efficient. There was a problem with the first design, though, a rather seriously annoying problem. The flat-faced design of most passenger trains is fine for trains that travel at more typical speeds of 60 miles per hour or so. But that design at 300 miles per hour creates a sonic boom noise when exiting a train tunnel. This was a big problem because it was causing serious noise pollution. As the train passed through the tunnel, the air built up in front of the train and then exploded upon exiting the tunnel. People that lived along the route of the train were being awoken at night and were disturbed during the day. So it was also scaring local wildlife, which is a big problem, Mm -hmm. and something needed to be done and fast. So one of the engineers on the project was a bird watcher. So one day when he was birding at a lake, he saw a kingfisher diving into the water to catch a fish. As the bird entered the water, the surface of the water only slightly moved. It was like the kingfisher's bill cut through the water. The engineer thought about this when the noise problem presented itself. 
So using the Kingfisher's long, sharp beak as a model, he restructured the nose of the bullet train and reduced the noise to almost nothing. And it also increased the energy efficiency by 10 to 15%. So thank you, Kingfisher. The next is silent flight. The silent flight of owls is one of one of their most useful adaptions, and sneaking up on their prey in the dark of night is what makes them extremely successful predators. Recently, researchers have looked to the structure of the owl feathers to help solve a problem with wind turbines. The development of wind turbines in what in one of mankind's most brilliant attempts towards eco-friendly energy production. We know that this source is not perfect, but engineers are constantly working on improvement. One of the complaints is how noisy wind turbine farms can be. I didn't know they made noise. So scientists Mm. have looked to the owl for a solution. They looked at the structure of the owl's feathers to determine how they are so quiet in flight. Owl feathers have sharp edges, also known as serrations, along the front edge of the feather. This sharp edge breaks up the air turbulence created during flight. Breaking up wind turbulence reduces the noise caused by the turbulence. Huh. The Back ends of the owl's feathers are fringed. The fringe structures disperse even more air turbulence once again, reducing the sound created in flight. Both of these structures help owls fly silently. To combat noisy wind turbines, researchers are attempting to apply the structure of the owl's feathers to the blades of the wind turbines. Huh. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, you know, nature is just fascinating. It's got one up on us. Oh, it does, for sure. So let's look at hummingbirds. Hummingbirds and drones. So we all know and love the hummingbird here at the Feather Desert. Everything about the hummingbird is a miracle of nature. It really is, my goodness. One of the most fascinating things to engineers and scientists is how hummingbirds fly. They don't just flap their wings up and down like other birds. They actually flick their wrists, which allows them to produce a figure eight pattern. This allows hummingbirds to fly forward, backwards, hover, and even fly sideways. So drones have become a fixture of modern society, whether we like it or not. Uh, But drones can be used for all sorts of things, um, such as surveillance of terrain that humans cannot get to on foot, getting accurate counts of wildlife without disturbing them, and even delivering sperm from endangered birds to waiting scientists. And for more on that topic, you've got to check out our other podcast about conservation technology. Yes. That was a cool episode. So drone engineers are always looking for ways to improve their creations. In the last decade, they have taken notice of the hummingbird's gravity-defying abilities— And they are trying to create drones that can maneuver through the air like a hummingbird. And this could be the next step in drone technology. Wow. Yeah. So I have the next one, and it's geese V-formation. And I thought this was really cool. For generations, we've known that the V-formation of geese helps them survive the long migration flights they perform twice a year. 
The leader at the front of the V formation takes on most of the energy expense, while those flanking the leader are able to draft off of their hard work. They share the burden by rotating who is in the leading position. It's a great way to conserve energy on long trips. A group of students at Stanford University used this lesson from nature to pro propose a way to conserve energy in the airline industry. Airbus is a company that designs and builds airplanes and other aerospace technology. It's always looking for ways to improve airplanes and air travel. They host competitions for innovative ideas. A group of students... The, well, the group of students at Stanford entered an idea based on the V formation of geese. They said if airplanes flying cross-country could draft off each other, they could save fuel and reduce carbon emissions. The students didn't win the competition, but Airbus loved the idea so much that they tried it out. They launched two Airbus jets from Toulouse, France, once airborne, they maneuvered into a tandem formation and flew across the Atlantic Ocean, landing in Montreal, Canada. The flight was a success. The planes flew and landed safely, saved more than 5% of the fuel, and reduced their carbon emissions by over 6 tons. Don't, um, like with the Tour de France, don't they use that drafting technique too? Oh, yeah, um... And professional um, race car drivers, they'll draft off of their competition all the time. Yeah. And Tour de France, of course, you're, you're going as a team. So, yeah, you'll draft off of your teammates and then you guys switch positions when you can to save uh, energy. Yeah. So the geese did it first. The geese did it first. Exactly. <laughs> it would be really, really cool if we could do that with the airline, with... Um, with uh, planes, that would be very interesting. Yeah, it would be, and it probably um, uh, save money. Yes, but we'll see. We'll see if they pick it up and try to do that or not. All right. So next we have the woodpecker and collisions. So woodpeckers have incredible collision absorption abilities. We've all heard woodpeckers banging away on wooden or metal surfaces. But have you ever stopped to think of how much force the woodpecker creates when they do that? And how do they survive constantly beating their face on hard surfaces? I know I've asked these questions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so woodpeckers actually beat their beaks against a surface 22 times a second without causing any damage to their brain. That's amazing. It is amazing. They are creating immense G-forces when they do this. That I did not know. So for those of you that don't know, G-force stands for gravitational force. This is the force that impacts beings as they move through space. And that's it for the math. <laughs> <laughs> no more math. That's all we need An to airplane... know. <laughs> that's all you need to know. Um, an airplane takes, um, sorry, an airplane takeoff creates two Gs. That's why you feel like you're getting smooshed back in the seat when an airplane takes off. Um, a fast roller coaster, a good one, creates five Gs. Humans pass out at six Gs. So woodpeckers, <laughs> peck, woodpeckers peck at trees 
at a force of 1,200 Gs. So we're way passed out by this time. Um, we're so the question is, how do they survive such a force without crushing their head? So four, there's four things that help them. They have four shock-absorbing adaptations. The first one is their beak. It's very chisel-shaped and tough, but it's elastic. So it's slightly malleable, and it absorbs some of the vibration. Number two is their hyoid bone, uh, which is the bone that anchors the tongue. It's the same in us as well. But their hyoid bone wraps around the entire skull like rubber tubing. Then number three is the oh. bone of the skull is actually spongy. So the bone is thick and it's packed with microscopic plates, creating a woven mesh that stops low frequency vibrations from passing through. And then number four, the skull actually hugs the brain snugly. They don't have fluid in their skull like us. The fluid in our head actually makes us highly susceptible to concussive forces because our brain's all banging around in there. But the woodpecker's brain won't knock around inside its skull when it bangs its beak against a hard surface. So perfection for the um, woodpecker. Woodpecker. So two yeah. researchers from UC Berkeley used the woodpecker's collision adaptations to improve protection for electronic devices such as black boxes on airplanes. What they wanted to do was protect it in a crash situation so that we can get information from the electronic. So they built a protective system that mimics the four-layer protection of the woodpecker. So one, they designed a cylindrical structure for the outermost layer. That's like the woodpecker's beak. Mm -hmm. Two, they added a layer of rubber inside, like the hyoid bone. Three, they added glass beads inside that mimic the spongy bone. And four, they did a second layer of metal directly around the electronics. And this design protected the electronics up to 60,000 Gs. Wow. So I think that's going to survive any kind of crash. Yeah. <laughs> That happens. So one other thing about the woodpecker that's actually available today, the woodpecker also inspired a student to design a better bike helmet. Oh, I was going to say something about that, but you beat me to Yes, exactly. So that's exactly what this student did. Uh, the student was an avid biker, and he suffered a concussion after an involvement in a bike accident. He was wearing a bike helmet, but it cracked, and he suffered a concussion. So he was inspired by the hyoid bone of the woodpecker that wraps around the skull and the spongy bone of the skull. So using those two ideas, he invented a dual-density cardboard with a honeycomb pattern, which, of course, is also inspired by nature with our bees. And that, um, he created the liner for the bike helmet. And it was light, and it performed extremely well at absorbing impact, and it's recyclable. Well, cool. Yeah, I thought that was amazing. That was ingenious right there. Well, if we don't take what we know about the woodpecker's skull and apply it to bike helmets, we're just missing... Um, a gift. A, I mean, yeah. that's a gift from nature right there. Yes. I agree. We should also apply it to football helmets. Yes. 
all sorts of. I like that idea too. Yeah. So peacock feathers and digital screens. Our last example of biomimicry involves one of the most beautiful birds, the peacock. Their feathers are an iconic image used for so many things in in our human cultures. The colors are eye-popping, and we often try to mimic the beauty of the male's peacock tail feathers in our art. Their beauty relies on the iridescence, a sheen that shifts color depending on your viewing angle. Peacock feathers never lose their bright, vibrant colors, and that's because the color is created by structure, not pigment. Huh. Since the first high-resolution screen was invented, researchers have been trying to improve the color images that they display, and they have now looked to the peacock for inspiration. Researchers at the University of Michigan have found a way to look in to lock, excuse me, lock in structural color by using texture instead of chemicals. The peacock's tail reflects light off of small grooves on the surface of the feather. The grooves only reflect certain wavelengths of light depending on the angle of the light to the groove. That's why peacock feathers are shimmery. The University of Michigan researchers have discovered how to trap the reflected colors of light in metallic grooves, making them permanent. This could lead to advanced color ebooks, electronic paper, and color reflective screens that don't need their own light to be readable. Reflective displays would also use much less energy than our current backlit digital screens. How awesome is that? I know. How cool would that be? It would be cool. And I think it's cool that all of these things came, you know, from nature, actually from birds. Yeah. Someone's paying attention. Someone is paying attention, and that's nice to know. So it is amazing what we can learn from nature if we just let ourselves listen. Yes. 